You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. For the first 30 years of his life, Jesus lived exactly like we do. He learned, he grew spiritually, he felt pain, he felt hunger, he felt loss, he felt fatigue, he faced anger, he faced anxiety, and he faced temptation. He never uses divine power to get out from under it. He experienced all of that and temptation to an extreme. Jesus, being God, chose to live as a human and to suffer firsthand the tragedy of living in a world that's broken by sin. It can be easy to forget the humanity of Jesus, that he really did experience life the same as all of us. Pastor Dion reminds us today that Jesus faced the same hardships, challenges, and emotions that we face. Yes, he is fully God, but that doesn't mean that his life on earth was any easier. He chose to live like any other human, and as a result, we have confidence that he can relate to us. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of John chapter 14. As he continues his message, God reveals himself. Philip came and asked Jesus, you know, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own but my Father who lives in me does His work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the works that you have seen me do. Jesus was explaining to Philip, isn't it obvious, Philip, that I am part of the Godhead? My character, my attributes, my miracles, give it away. You can see it. Here I am in the flat. God in the Jesus is God. Say it out loud. Jesus is God. Now, Jesus was there at creation. He was there throughout all of the Old Testament. He is equal to and part of the Godhead. And so here's what God did. God arranged that Jesus, who is all God, he's what? That Jesus, who is all God, be born all man. Everybody, what? By immaculate conception. In fact, Luke gave us the details. He said, you know, Mary gave birth to Jesus. Jesus was the Lamb of God. Therefore, Mary had a little lamb. He didn't say that. I'm just checking if you're paying attention. Here's, what, here's the record. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The angel had come and told Mary that she was going to have a child. And, and so Mary says and asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. 
And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's the Holy Spirit, and God the Father will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. There it is, the triune God, right? That's how it's going to happen. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Colossians 2.9, For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, how? Bodily, in a body. All the fullness of the Godhead in a body. Everybody say, God in a bod. So for the 3,500 years of the Old Testament... God had been manifesting Himself whenever He would show up, whenever He would have an appearance. Because He is unadulterated light, He would always clothe Himself with a cloud or a fog. If you remember when He showed up in front of Abraham to have a covenant with Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham made a sacrifice and God came down to walk this sacrifice with him. But because God is unadulterated light, he shrouded himself with a cloud and the cloud passed through that particular sacrifice. All right, another time during the Mosaic Covenant at Mount Sinai, if you remember, the God was on the mountain, descended on the mountain, unadulterated light and lightning and people were fearful. God shrouded Himself with a dark cloud. During the Davidic covenant, during the the temple dedication, when, when Solomon was dedicating the new temple, the Bible says that God descended and the whole the whole temple was filled with a cloud. God again shrouding Himself so that people wouldn't go blind, so people wouldn't die, shrouding Himself. Then, guys, all of that happened. Now in this new covenant, in the New Testament, God clothed Himself, not with a cloud anymore, God clothed Himself with flesh. And Peter, James, and John saw that light, saw some of it bleeding out of Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. You remember that story? Where they began to see the light just kind of bleeding out of Jesus and they were were shocked and covered their eyes. Jesus is God concealed in flesh, all right? Now, so Jesus was more than a man or a manifestation, more than a person or a prophet. He was God in a bod. Say it out loud again, what? He was God in a bod, covered in human flesh. Now, I will explain why this is so important next week. But for now, we know that Jesus was God with clothes on. 100% God, 100% man. Everybody say 100% man. And here's something curious. Have you ever wondered or been curious as to why the Bible never gives us any details of Jesus, a physical description of Jesus? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, four Gospels, four eyewitnesses that tell their story, and nobody ever gives one detail about the description of Jesus' appearance. I mean, there's not one line. You want to know why? Because Jesus looked like every other average Joe or Jesus in that day. 
He looked like every other average Jew. Listen, Jesus wasn't born with a halo. Jesus didn't have light skin and blue eyes and speak with a British accent. Jesus didn't look like the Moroccan playboy that Hollywood picked out for its series, Son of God, all right? No, not at all. In fact, the Old Testament tells us that the Messiah wouldn't have any features that would identify him as special or divine. Jesus was not tall, dark, and handsome. Nobody was calling Jesus Chulito. Nobody was singing Bitty Bitty Bom Bom to Jesus. There was nothing attractive or different or special about him. Isaiah 53 verse 2 says it like this, talking about Jesus the Messiah. The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. Even Jesus' own cousin, John the Baptist, his primo, testified about Jesus. John the Baptist said, had the Holy Spirit not come upon him, had God not thundered a voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, if that hadn't happened, John the Baptist said, I would have never known that he was the one. I would have never known. So up until Jesus' baptism and ministry, no one had a clue of his divinity. His mama alone. No one else had a clue of his divinity. You know, there's a story. It's in the Quran. It is also in the Gospels of Thomas, which doesn't make the Bible for obvious reason. That tells a story of an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old Jesus who made clay little birds, clay sparrows out of mud next to the river. And then he was, it was on the Sabbath. So his parents, because he's a Jew, his parents and other people, you know, were kind of getting after him about it. So in order for him to not get in trouble, he made them all alive and they flew away. Zero, not true. Jesus laid down all of his exclusive powers up until the time it was necessary. Jesus set aside his divine attributes. You want to know why? To be just like us. He is 100% God, but he is also 100% man. He didn't want to come and, see, manipulate the power. Because you would, right? If you were all divine and you could change the circumstance, you could create out of a whim, you would. But then Jesus would never be able to identify. If, if he could snap his finger or, you know, twitch his nose or, or, or wave his hand and death would be gone, loss would be gone, difficulties, circumstances would be gone, then he would never have experienced the full human experience. So Jesus, for the first 30 years of his life, laid that all down so that he could identify with every single one of us. Here's the verse, Philippians 2, verse 5. 
You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, to use for his own purpose or will. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. For the first 30 years of Jesus' life, he didn't use not one of his divine powers to manipulate circumstances, to change issues, not at all. For the first 30 years of his life, Jesus lived exactly like we do. He learned He grew spiritually, he felt pain, he felt hunger, he felt loss, he felt fatigue, he faced anger, he faced anxiety, and he faced temptation. He never used his divine power to get out from under it. He experienced all of that and temptation to an extreme. Because see, Jesus, it wasn't just his flesh that was tempting him. Satan himself showed up at Jesus' temptation. Look at your neighbor and say, El mero mero. Showed up at Jesus' temptation. See, you and I, we have the nature of sin. We're born with it because of Adam and Eve, right? We already have a bend. Look, go ahead and just kind of lean over. We have a bend towards sin, a gravitational pull towards disobedience and rebellion and anger and lust. So if you want to know what your problem is, it's you, all right? It's not your wife. It's not your, your parents. It's you. My parents didn't let me have a turtle when I was five years old. and you know, that's it. No, you. We all have that bend. So our temptation, the majority of our temptation comes from within our sinful nature. The inclinations of our flesh. Listen, we're sinners by nature. And then we become sinners by choice. And then we become sinners by practice. Look at your neighbor and say, you got that one down. Look at him and tell him that, right? All right, so listen. But Jesus wasn't, didn't have a sin nature. He wasn't born with a sin nature. He didn't have the bend. You guys got this? but he could still sin. He could become a sinner by choice. And so Satan came out himself to tempt him. So Jesus suffered 30 years with the same difficulties that you and I do, except to the extreme. You guys got that, right? And yet, without sin, Jesus didn't sin. For those 30 years, he walked Without his divine privileges, he laid them aside so he could have the full human experience. And you want to know why? So that he could say to us, everybody said out loud? So he could identify with us and say, I've been there. Now, Jesus can't say, been there, done that, because, you know, you can. But he didn't, he never sinned. He didn't give in to it. Jesus chose better than we do. But nevertheless, Jesus' humanity made Him sensitive to our condition. Hebrews 2.18 says it like this, 
Since Jesus Himself has gone through suffering and testing, He is able to help us when we are being tested or going through suffering. Jesus can say, He identifies. So when you go through a loss, you go through a trial, you go through temptation, when you are being overwhelmed and feeling like, like you're, just, you're just being overcome, Jesus says, I've been there. I know what that feels like. I know what that pressure's like. See, Jesus was not, is not like some prima donna in an ivory tower, you know, out of touch. He lived with a human condition. He can identify with us, is sensitive to our hurts, to our needs, to our failures, to our stresses. He invites us. In fact, that's why He invites us to come to Him for help and strength and encouragement and support. He says, I've been there. So Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Jesus says, I'm 100% God, but I'm also 100% man. And for that very reason, I know what you're going through. I am easily touched. I understand and identify what you're going through. And so I have made it. I have pushed the doors of my throne room open so that you can obtain grace and find help in the time of need. Right? So for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, He laid aside his divine rights. Then, for the last three and a half years of his life in ministry, Jesus used only a limited degree of divine attributes as to identify himself as the Messiah or as God. So, he laid them aside for 30 years, but then for the three and a half years, he worked miracles. He did some supernatural thing, walking on what? But only, he used it only, uh, I should say limited, just so that he would be recognized as the son of the living God, as God incarnate. Only what was required to fulfill the prophecies, the sick healed, the lepers cleansed, the poor have the gospel preached to them, that's the limit of Jesus using his divine attributes. In fact, Jesus declined to use his, any divine attribute that was not tied to his mission, that was over and above. Remember when you know, Peter pulled out his sword in order to save Jesus, and Jesus stopped him and said, Peter, I could call legions of angels to come and help me. But he didn't do it. Why? He restricted his... He could do it. Huh? But he restricted his divine power to only what was necessary for his mission. I'll close this message with a question that Jesus gave at the close of his ministry. Jesus took his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi. It's up in northern Israel. It's actually a beautiful area, mountainous area, beautiful rock formation there. It was also called the gates of hell. Because this particular place was considered a high place where idols were worshipped. Why on earth would God, would Jesus, take his disciples there? In a world of gods, as he pointed them out to his disciples, in a world of idols, in a world of lesser gods, 
Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, well, some think you're a prophet and some think you're this or that. Some people say this, this, the other. And then he said, and in light of all this, who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter is the one who stood up by the Spirit of God, because that's what Jesus said. And he made this statement. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In the face of all of this, you are the Christ. That's the answer, the conclusion that we have to come to. And that's the very reason that we need to understand exactly who Jesus is. Not just a prophet, not just a preacher, not just a miracle worker, but God, 100% God and 100% man. And the reason for Him to be 100% God and 100% man, the reason it, would you like to know the reason? We'll come back next week because we're going to talk about why that had to happen that way. But understand that Jesus is God incarnate. Amen. Father, we want to say thank You for meeting us here. For every person who has listened to this message. And I pray, Father, for those who have yet to confess You as their God, as their Lord. They've bowed before many other things. Sex, money, power, popularity. I pray, Father, that today they would realize that all of that is nothing in light of who you are and in light of what you can do. If you are one of those who just said, I want to confess my surrender to Jesus Christ, let's pray out loud together. Father, I know I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I have run from You. I have fought You. I've ignored You. But today, today I surrender. I confess You as my God. I repent from my sin and turn to You for wholeness, for help, for salvation. In Jesus' name, I bow to You and am Yours. Amen. And amen. You do not know exactly what happens and takes place spiritually to a person when they make that statement of faith, that declaration of faith. New life erupts on the inside. You're going to look in the mirror and be the same person on the outside. But on the inside, there is something growing. A new creation in Christ. And this is the best place to be when you are a new creation in Christ. Thanks for joining us here on The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova. Pastor Dion has been taking it down to the foundation in the current series, laying out the basics of the faith. Doesn't going back to the basics just sound lovely? 
Take away all the cares of the world, drop off your adult worries and responsibilities, and go back to the time of Jesus loves me, this I know. The foundation of our faith rests on that one extraordinary truth. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. How do we know? The Bible tells us so, over and over, in a million different ways. So, how is this time of resting on the simple truth felt to you? Can you feel the love of Jesus surrounding you? He wants you to feel that way all the time, in every situation. So, when you leave this holy space with the Lord, take His love with you. And here's the truth, my friend. The more time you spend in the Word with Jesus, the more you'll know and feel His love for you. If you're not ready to leave this space just yet, don't worry. You can stick around. Pastor Dion has many more messages of God's love, and they're all stored on our YouTube page. Just head on over there next to continue in the Word. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. To find out more about us and find our church, head on over to tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. We'd love to have you come see us sometime. And with that, we have come to the end of our time together. Come back next time to soak in more love right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together we